Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. He says, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city. So Daniel's wondering, the end of the 70 years is just around the corner. What is the future? And Gabriel says, the future is 77s. So this is the question, seven what? Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian resumes his teaching on Daniel chapter 9. Now here's Pastor Brian. Verse 15, Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and iniquities and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all of those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make this request of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. That's the way we pray. (laughs) Lord, we don't deserve any good thing, really. And so we're not asking this because we're righteous. We're asking this because you're merciful. We're appealing to God's mercy. Uh, One one thing I just want to back up and point out real quick. Um, Notice how Daniel, he references God bringing them out of Egypt. That was a thousand years earlier, close to a thousand years earlier that they had come out of Egypt. So this is in the, the 500s, 539 was when Babylon fell to Persia. And, you know, 1400s, maybe 1500s was the exodus from Egypt. So all of this long, long period of time. And the reason I bring that out, though, is because Daniel, I mean, for Daniel, it's like, this is a fact. It could have happened yesterday. It's such a, it's such a reality. And, you know, I think of how, you know, when we know the Lord, I, I was, I, I read some thread on Twitter today and, you know, some guy made a, a good biblical statement and then some other person came along with, you know, mocking the Bible and talking about how it, it, it's, it contradicts itself everywhere and it's, it's just full of archaic ideas and it's just so outdated. And who, who in the world would even 
want to try to apply the Bible to life today. That, that was the idea behind this response, you know. And I just thought this poor guy doesn't have the slightest idea what he's talking about, number one, but he thinks he does, you know, he's very, very arrogant about it. But, but it just made me think of how, you know, yes, these things happened a long time ago. This happened 2,500 years ago that we're reading about right here. And the cross happened 2,000 years ago and the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago. But isn't it like it just happened yesterday? I mean, you know, when you know the Lord, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's 5,000 years ago. This is, real, this is reality. And the reality is it's present today because the same God, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is our God today. The God who worked these great wonders, the God who performed these mighty deeds, the God who had mercy and saved, that's our God. So when we, when we read this, it's not like, oh man, this is such an ancient book. Gee whiz, what are we stuck with this thing for? Can we get something more up to date? <laughs> no, we're like, man, this is, this, is as, this is more current than, yes, <laughs> than your times that'll come tomorrow. So I just thought that was kind of a, just an interesting thing to think about how, you know, no doubt in Daniel's mind that, that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. So Lord, listen, Lord, forgive, Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. So while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel the man I had seen earlier in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. Wow, that must have been a pretty interesting moment. He's, Daniel's just in the midst of his prayer. And suddenly Gabriel, who he had already met back in chapter eight, he recorded that. And, and now Gabriel is here again. And again, just a, a little reminder and encouragement. You know, sometimes it's, it's in those times where we're praying, where we're seeking the Lord, where we're crying out to him. It, sometimes you have those moments where the Lord sends that message right in the midst of that. Just like he did here. And so he instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed or greatly loved is another translation. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So here we go. Verse 24, this is, this is the prophecy. And it's really in the, the theological world, you know, the theological camps are divided into people who believe this is prophetic and people who don't. And, and there's a clear distinction. I mean, some people will identify themselves as 
I don't believe Daniel 9, 24 through 27 is future. That's how they identify themselves. They have a, an interpretation of this passage that says that this stuff basically happened already at some point in history. So you have those, those two camps. And both, both are Christians, but one group of Christians thinks that the stuff that's about to be revealed to Daniel already took place. And others believe that it has, well, you know, some of it's taken place for sure, but the, the final point of it has not yet taken place. Now, I happen to be in the camp that believes that it has not yet taken place. So we're, we're looking at a future event. And, and Daniel was looking, obviously, at a future event, but he was looking at, he was looking all the way out, like we're going to see, but he was also looking at the first coming. So in this prophecy, you have, you, you really have references to the first coming of Jesus and not exactly the second coming, but the events that will surround the second coming. And the story goes on to chapter 12 where we get the actual second coming. So let's look at what it says. So remember, all of this is in relation to Daniel reading Jeremiah, 70 years are determined for your nation and, and then he goes to prayer. So Gabriel comes, and what is the first thing he says? He says, 70 sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city. So Daniel's wondering, the end of the 70 years is just around the corner. What is the future? And Gabriel says the future is 70 sevens. So this is the question, seven what? And without going into all the different reasons why, I'll just tell you what it is, okay? It's 77-year periods. That's what's being referred to here. The Hebrew word is, is the word heptad, means seven. Um, the King James Version says 70 weeks. And that's not... That's not a good translation because it's not, I mean, if you just took it as 70 weeks, then you go out 70 weeks from the starting point and then you're at nothing, basically. So, so it's clear that it's not 70 weeks, but it's 77, but it's seven, it's 77s, but the, it's years are what's being talked, to, talked about. So as you multiply it out, the whole uh, amount of time is going to be 490 years. So 77-year periods are determined upon your people and your holy city. 490 years. In 490 years, all that has to do with Jerusalem forever will be accomplished. So listen to what he says. He says, first thing, 490 years to finish transgression. Finish transgression to put an end to sin. To atone for wickedness. So 
at the end of 490 years, transgression, sin, wickedness, it's all done. It's all over. And then, here's the positive, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, to seal up, meaning to to bring it to its uh, fulfillment, and then to anoint the most holy. So some Bibles read the most holy place, uh, but it is actually just the most holy. Some people put place in because it seems like it's referring to the holy place. Some people put holy one. It's simply the most holy. So, so these things are going to be accomplished in this 77-year period. But now the angel is going to reveal to us that the years are not consecutive, at least not all of them. So he says, know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens. Seven times seven is what? 49? Okay, got some math teachers in here, good. Um, 49. And then there will be 62 seven-year periods. So, so there's a division here. There's going to be first a 49-year period of time, and then there's going to be a 434 or so year period of time. And nobody knows exactly why there's a break. And the suggestion is that in the, in the first 49 years, when this began, it, at the end of the first 49 years, um, Jerusalem was restored. Jerusalem was rebuilt. And maybe that's so, but it's hard to pin that down. But for some reason, there, there is a break. But the total number of years is 483. So 483 plus seven is 490. So basically, 69 of the seven-year periods are going to take place consecutively. And they're going to come to an end with this coming of this anointed one. Now, I think if you have, um, I think the New King James for sure, and maybe the King James says Messiah. Does it say Messiah? Anybody got the New King James? New King James says the Messiah, the Prince, I think, right? And, and the word Messiah is, or anointed one is just the translation of the word Messiah. But verse 25 so he's telling us there's a 490-year period that's going to be, first of all, 483 years and then a, a separate seven-year period. But when does it start? And so he tells us, it starts, no one understand this, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That's the starting point. And the question is, when did that word go forth to restore and build Jerusalem? And this is where you get all 
different kinds of opinions by theologians and Bible commentators. And some say, some go to Ezra chapter 1, where the decree was given from Cyrus uh, for, for Ezra to go and to rebuild the temple. And then later in Ezra, you have another decree that was given by Artaxerxes. And that was to, again, assist in the final aspects of, of the temple restoration. But neither one of those decrees had anything to do with the city. They were very specifically decrees to restore the temple, to restore the worship. The decree to restore the city was given to Nehemiah. And in the second chapter of Nehemiah, he tells the story of being the king's cupbearer. He goes in the presence of Artaxerxes. He just has received word. People have come back to the, the palace with a dire report about the condition of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in, it's in rubble and the walls are broken down and the gates are burned with fire and it's just a horrible situation. So Nehemiah hears that, he's depressed. He's serving the king as the cupbearer. You're not supposed to be depressed when you're serving the king as the cupbearer. So the king notices that Nehemiah he asks him why he's feeling the way he is. And, and Nehemiah says, this is, you know, how else can I feel when I know that the, the city of my, my ancestors is lying in rubble? And the king says, well, what, what do you want to do? And Nehemiah says, I want to go. I want to restore it. I want to build it. And so Artaxerxes allows him to go. And so that would be the point of the decree that's given. So from this point until... What's the next thing? Until the anointed one, until the Messiah, the prince, will be these two groupings, 49 years and then the 434, or 400, total 483 years. It'll be 483 years from that command until the coming of the anointed one. Now, this decree is given in the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes. And the 20th year of the reign of Artaxerxes would put you in the year 445 BC. And some have even calculated the month because it's the, it's the month Nisan. And so Nisan corresponds to our March and April. So do you remember the date 14th of Nisan? The 14th of Nisan is the Passover. And so if we know anything about Passover, we know it always happens in the spring, right? It always happens. It's somewhere around Easter. Sometimes the Passover and Easter land on the same day. Sometimes they don't. But the Passover can be in March. It can be in April. So we know the, the month was April or May or uh, March or April as we know it. And the year is 445 B.C. Now, if you calculate from that date, 483 years out, using our Roman calendar of 365 days a year, you end up at a date of like 39 AD. 
So you've just missed Jesus by about 10 years. But if you calculate by a Babylonian year of 360 days, you end up in 30 or 32 AD, right smack at the time when Jesus was not only ministering, but right about the time of his crucifixion. Now, there's a man named, um, from back, back in the late 1800s, his name was Sir Robert Anderson. And he was the head of the Scotland Yard. So he was, you know, uh, a pretty sharp guy, a Sherlock Holmes kind of a guy. And he was very much into this prop, very much into the book of Daniel. Love the book of Daniel. And a very, very bright, bright guy. So he did all of this research, went back and searched historical records and all of that. So he really came up with the four, uh, March, I, I think he even had a date, March 14, 445 BC. He came up with that date and then went out 360 uh, day years to April 6, I think it's April 6, 32 AD, if my memory serves me right. But also he broke it down into numbers So it would be 173,880 days from the decree of Artaxerxes. That would take you to April 6, 32 AD, which would be the day, uh, according to those calculations, that Jesus entered Jerusalem in in the uh, triumphal entry. Now, look what it says is going to transpire. It says... The anointed one, the ruler, or the Messiah, the prince, however we want to read it, comes, until he comes, there's going to be, let's just add these two together, 483 years, or 69 seven-year periods. And then he says this, he says, it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. So that's why it seems that the first 49 years are having to do with the actual building again of Jerusalem. And we know from the story of Nehemiah that Nehemiah rebuilt the city of Jerusalem and had to simultaneously, as they're building the wall, they had to fight off the the enemy that were trying to prevent them from rebuilding the wall. So that happens during Nehemiah's time. But then after the 62 seven-year periods, the anointed one will be put to death. So this, again, I think the New King James says will be cut off. Uh, But the Hebrew word is, is a word that is used often in a context of, of putting somebody to death or executing somebody. And so I think the translators here, they translated it right, will be put to death. The anointed one, the Messiah, will be put to death, but not for himself. For the month of January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. 
Choices that we make have lasting effects, and we all live with regrets. But are you paralyzed by your past? Do you live in the dark shrouds of if-onlys? Does your past influence your present more than God's past, present, and future grace? Have you received and are living out the forgiveness that is yours because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Well, in his book, 40 Days of Grace, Paul David Tripp will take you deep into the grace of God. He will help you understand God's grace that exposes what you want to hide so he can forgive you and deliver you. You will get to know God's grace that welcomes you to live with a hope in the present because it will free you to leave your past behind. God's grace is essential for the Christian life. It is something you will never deserve, but can always expect. If you need to experience the grace of God, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.